0: As I mentioned last week, uh, the most reliable early copies of the gospel is written by uh, by Mark and just before the verses that I read for this morning's main text. In Mark's version, the story ends at verse 8 of chapter 16. The women have discovered that Jesus's tomb is empty. um, The messenger from God has told them that Jesus has been raised to new life and that they and the male disciples will meet and see Jesus in Galilee. The women flee from the tomb, terrified and confused, and that's where the story ends. Clearly, uh, that ending was just too abrupt for some people in the early church. So they made up their own ending. There were parts of the story missing that someone or some group thought were too important to leave out. So they put them in. What I think is important for us to consider is what were those things that were added because someone thought they were too important to be left out? Particularly for us this morning, there's a theme running through this added ending that relates to the purpose and the power given to Jesus' disciples. And even though for centuries now, this alternate ending for Mark has been published with, with brackets surrounding it, acknowledging that Mark almost assuredly, did not write this. Still, there are people who believe, even today, that the Christian church should look like the church described in this ending, that the purpose and power of the church should be revealed in the same way as described in this ending. Sadly, that belief has led to a lot of pain and suffering, and even loss of life. Since this distorted belief still haunts the church in the U.S. today, I think it's important for us to have a very clear understanding that these words were written for the followers of Christ in a very different time and place than we live in. And the purpose... And and while the purpose of the church remains the same as it was then, the expression of the power of the church is very different. Notice the work that Jesus gives his followers as their purpose in verses 15 and 16. Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will will be condemned. That is the foundational work of the church. Go tell people about the hope that the world has in Jesus. And in verse 20, we hear that the disciples did this. The disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. This is where people tend to go off the rails, is in focusing on the signs that accompanied it. The signs that revealed the power of Christ working through the disciples. And they are, as we heard earlier and. I, had, I realized I had to say something for the kid's sake. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands and they will drink deadly poison and it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Now we know that some of these signs did accompany the early disciples, especially the apostles. Our New Testament passage is a great example of that. Uh, This is about Paul when he goes to Ephesus and he's preaching the gospel, um, actually over years even. Um, So it wasn't, clearly it wasn't all Miracles, or he wouldn't have needed to wait around for several years and keep talking about it. Um, Everyone would have believed. But there were things that happened where uh, he he baptized uh, several of the folks in the name of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit came into them, and they did speak in strange tongues or new tongues for them. And then that last part, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, Notice it doesn't even say anybody of the other disciples. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Now, this is where a lot of televangelists make their money. They say, send us money and I will send you a sanctified prayer towel and it will bring you healing. I, that's where I was originally going to send out when the pandemic spread and we had to close up. I was going to send out um, bacterial, you know, antibacterial cloths so you could be healed or be safe from the, the virus. But anyway, um, that was, those things happened, some of them, some of those signs we have stories of. But we don't have stories of followers of Christ picking up snakes with their hands or drinking deadly poison and not getting hurt. There is one story that we have of Paul actually getting bit by a snake. He's, I can't remember, he has a fire going for something and it happens to uh, spook some, of the, some snakes that are in this stuff that he's burning and one of them comes out and bites him. Well, the locals in that area recognize the kind of snake that bites him, and it's a poisonous snake. They're, they're sure he's going to die. Um, and then when he didn't die, the whole point of the story is they thought, wow, maybe there's something to this god that he keeps talking about that we should pay attention to. That's it. That's the closest we can come to anything along the lines of of what this person added. And Paul got bitten by accident. He didn't purposely pick up a snake, and he didn't drink poison. But we do have obscure sects of the Christian church in the United States today who regularly handle poisonous snakes as proof of their faith. And some have died from the bites that they received. Even the signs that have more biblical stories behind them have been distorted by some Christians to an extent that they have also caused pain, suffering, and even loss of life. Casting out demons has been used far too many times as an excuse for misdiagnosing and mistreating diseases of all sorts. And because of that, some have died. Speaking in tongues has been used to create a hierarchy of true Christians versus those who aren't really yet there that creates division within the church. All of these are examples of ways in which people in the church have misunderstood the reason for these signs in the first place. The writer of this ending reveals why these particular signs accompanied the work of Jesus' Jesus's disciples in verse 20. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. That's what the, the focus is for what the, the disciples did. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. I like the way the message translates this. uh, Jesus was validating the message with indisputable evidence, like I was saying with the kids. In the early years of the church, the stories about Jesus were so unbelievable that God empowered a few A handful, at best, of the Apostles to perform miraculous acts, like we read about in that New Testament passage with Paul, in order to help the Church establish its link with the risen Christ. And in commenting on this alternative ending in Mark, the 16th century French reformer Jean Calvin saw the connection between these signs miraculous signs, and those demonstrated by Jesus himself. He writes, as the Lord, while he still lived with men and women in the world, had ratified the faith of his gospel by miracles, so now he extends the same power to the future. For it was of very great importance that this divine power of Christ should continue to be exerted amongst his believers, that it might be certainly known that he was risen from the dead. That was the purpose of these sciences, to convince people of the truth of the resurrection. Notice that in order for Jesus to convince enough people to believe he was who he said he was, he revealed glimpses of his power as creator of the verse, universe by doing these miraculous things to the point that even in this added ending to Mark, the author notes that Jesus had to reveal himself in physical form raised from death in order for his closest friends to believe it. That is the, another theme that's emphasized here is, is how slow the closest disciples were to believe. On the first day Jesus rose and he appeared to Mary Magdalene and she went and told those who were mourning and weeping when they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him they did not believe it. He appears to another couple of people in a different form they were walk- while they were walking in the country these returned and reported it to the rest but they did not believe them either. Later Jesus himself appeared to the eleven as they were eating, and some accounts he joined them in eating, and he rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. So some of the signs in our text may not have even occurred at all. But even the ones that did were merely meant to establish the connection of the church with the risen Christ. But the miraculous demonstrations of power were not the main point. They were signs of the more important truth. Jesus came to reconcile all of creation to God. And that was another interesting thing is go and preach the gospel to all creation is the way it's said here. Jesus came to reconcile all of creation to God. Jesus came to reveal to, to humans, especially, what it looks like to love God with all your heart, strength, and will, and to love your neighbor as yourself. God's will for the world has always been that we would live in love in such a way that miracles wouldn't be needed. Listen again to God's words uh, through the prophet Isaiah. This is the kind of of discipleship I'm after, to break the chains of injustice, get rid of exploitation in the workplace, free the oppressed, cancel debts. Notice how much these these exact things are being argued about in, in our government today, even. What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. Do this and the lights will turn on and your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. The, Son of Glo- the God of glory will secure your passage. Then you will pray, God will answer. You'll call for help and I'll say, here I am. If you get rid of unfair practices, Quit blaming victims. Quit gossiping about other people's sins. If you are generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. And on and on it goes. You will, in fact, actually, that last little bit about how you will use the rubble from past lives to build anew. You will be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins rebuild and renovate, and make the community livable again. That is the purpose of the church. It's not about handling rattlesnakes or speaking in some unknown language. It's about healing those who have been hurt and reconciling across divisions of language and culture and history. And the power for doing these things even, the healing and the reconciliation, the power comes from Christ, Christ working in us and through us. Again, those last two verses of this gospel reading are so important. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God, the position of authority and power. Then The disciples went out and preached everywhere. They told people about Jesus and all the health, the healing, and the hope. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. The power is in Christ, working in and through. The 17th century Welsh Presbyterian Matthew Henry sums it up this way. Christ's ministers do not now need to work miracles to prove their message. The effects of the gospel, the the message, when faithfully preached and truly believed, in changing the tempers and characters of humankind, form a constant proof, a miraculous proof, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe the church is meant to be a community of broken people who look to the risen Christ for health and hope and the church is meant to be a community of broken people within whom and through whom others also encounter the presence and the power of the risen Christ for health and for hope. I love uh, Frederick Beekner has an amazing um, sermon that was written down about the church um, and I there it's just it's too long to read but there's I've, I've got to read some it's just so beautiful he writes that we the church are called by God to love each other the way Jesus says that God has loved us that is the good news about God the, the gospel the message which we have to proclaim Loving each other and loving God and being loved by God is what the kingdom is. Our happiness is all mixed up with each other's happiness and our peace with each other's peace. Our own happiness, our own peace can never be complete until we find some way of sharing it with people who, the way things are now, have no happiness and have no peace Jesus calls us to show this forth, to live this forth, and He gives the couple of examples that these two characters appear through this whole thing. But it's so beautiful. He he talks about the old woman who has gone to the movies, has gone to the movies to help take her mind off the fact that she has cancer. And cancer is a sickness that you and I don't know how to heal. Mores the pity, but it is not her only sickness. Her other sickness is being lonely and scared, and in some ways, that sickness is worse, the worse of the two. Sometimes she wakes up in the middle of the night and thinks about it, wishes she had somebody she could talk to about it, or just somebody she could go to the movies with once in a while and share her popcorn with. Heal her, says Jesus. The white man in the pickup with the gun rack has a son who is dying. He is dying of AIDS. It was his wife who put the Jesus loves you sticker on his bumper. The way he sees it, if you do not believe in God anymore, it doesn't make much difference whether Jesus loves you or not. If God lets things happen to people like what has happened to his son, then what is the point of believing in God? Raise him, says Jesus. We are called by the good God to be the hands and feet and heart of Christ to each other. Heal the sick and be healed. Raise the dead and be raised. Everything that matters comes out of doing these things. Doing these things is what the church is. And when it does not do these things, it doesn't much matter what else it does. Preach as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, Jesus told his disciples. Be the kingdom of heaven. I think this is what the writer of the ending of Mark was after. Jesus was missing from the story. And without the presence of Jesus, the Christ, in the church, the church is nothing. But with the presence of Christ... The church can transform lives of individuals and whole communities. The power of the church is Jesus, the risen Christ, working in us and through us to bring healing and hope to the world. Thanks be to God.